Well, it was interesting because I had a significant amount of money into the partnership, but yet when I looked at it, I only had one tenth of an ability to make decisions or to influence the organization. And I found also, and again, I don't mean this in any discriminatory manner, but the partnership was not balanced super well uh, with respect to diversity and so it also seemed to have a lot of waiting with um, I guess a lot of opinions that were not necessarily uh, innovative were not necessarily taking into account uh, a diverse partnership group and and it became challenging and so I thought you know if I take off my money out of that company what could I be doing and how could I live out my dreams and how could I be innovative to help really disrupt our industry and that's been um, ultimately kind of my goal and my purpose in my company. This podcast is brought to you by Dentons, the world's largest law firm with a global team that builds agile, tailored solutions to meet the local, national, and global needs of private and public clients of any size in 183 locations serving 75 countries. Hi, everyone. My name is Heather Barnhouse, partner and lawyer in our Edmonton office. Welcome to my podcast, where I explore the topic of women in entrepreneurship and leadership and the ecosystem supporting the growth of this segment. Today, I'm joined by Terry Davis, president and founder of Profound Talent. I'm excited to speak to Terry today about her entrepreneurial journey and the shift from working with other partners to becoming a solopreneur. Welcome, Terry. Thank you. I'm excited to be with you. Just to set the stage, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. So my background has been about 20 plus years in the recruiting industry. I started um, ages ago, I hate to even say it, ages and ages ago, where um, I, I did a Bachelor of Commerce degree and then a Master's degree in business and then worked in a couple of sales roles, went to see a recruitment company. And ultimately, uh, when I went to see that recruitment company, they said, how about working for us? And that's how my journey kind of started in the recruitment and headhunting industry. And from that, I've gone through working with a recruitment firm to being a partner of 10, uh, with 10 other partners, and then ultimately taking that leap to go out on my own. And that's where I am today with Profound Talent. Interesting. What made you want to hang out your own shingle? And did you, when you wanted to hang out your own shingle, did you envision doing it by yourself or did you envision that you would have partners with you along, along the way? Well, that's really interesting because when I left my firm that I had actually been an employee of, I had intention to join and start a um, an organization or basically go out on my own with another individual. And there was some comfort with that. Uh, along the way, what mm. happened was another organization approached us and said, no, come and join us. And I ended up entering into that company. And that's where I became a partner of a firm that ultimately became a national executive search firm. And we had multiple partners. So I always had this kind of inclination to be an entrepreneur and to start something on my own. And initially, there was a sense of security in having another individual in entering into an entrepreneurship type um, business. However, once I got into the the firm that ultimately I was one of the partners that grew it to a national level, 10 partners later, it became a really tough uh, business model to really um, 
want to move forward, I guess, with your own dreams and aspirations and inspiration and innovation. So with that, uh, I decided that I wanted to start my own business and I really had no intention of ever having another partner again. In saying that, it was very, very scary. <laughs> so, you know, somebody once said to me, um, I was part of a, an executive leadership group, and somebody had once said to me, we had this round table where they said, you know, what is uh, the greatest thing that you should be aware of when going into business? And I remember uh, multiple people saying this. They said, never have partners because partners can be very challenging and hard to get on the same yeah. page. And it's like a marriage. And if you aren't aligned, then it can fall apart. And so having been in that partnership, I understood that. And when I went out on my own, I said to myself, there are no partners going to be involved in this business. (laughs) And what I learned from it was that, hey, I could do this on my own and I can hire employees uh, that want to come along with this, that don't want the risk in it, but that also can have the vision that I have. And so that's kind of the approach I've taken at this point. And not to say I would never have partners, but um, it would have to be obviously the right one. And I probably wouldn't go back to a 10 partner model. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good story. I think it's really um, a really insightful observation that, you know, you have to have the right partner. And lots of times I think entrepreneurs, when they're starting out their business, they, they like, much like you said, they think that there will be some security and some comfort and it'll be nice to have another, you know, set of, of ears to bounce ideas off of and someone to kind of, you know, be there along the journey with you. And then I think what happens is people get a, a vision in their mind, this is what it'll be like. And then they, they, you know, when, when that vision is tested and reality comes along, it's not like that at all, because I think often there's a mismatch of expectations and what you expect to happen or how you expect you might solve a problem might very different. It might be very different from what your partner might think. And it's tough to have those conversations up front about all the various scenarios that you can't even imagine that will occur and how, you know, how people will respond to that. It's interesting because I joke in my practice, I joke about how, you know, people come to me and they say, oh, can't stand my partner. And I say, okay, here we go. Corporate divorce 101, right? Like it is kind of like a marriage and it is kind of like, how are we going to, how are we going to split the assets? Well, it was interesting because I had a significant amount of money into the partnership, but yet when I looked at it, I only had one tenth of an ability to make decisions or to influence the organization. And I found also, and again, I don't mean this in any discriminatory manner, but the partnership was not balanced super well uh, with respect to diversity. And so it also seemed to have a lot of waiting with, um, I guess, a lot of opinions that were not necessarily uh, innovative, were not necessarily taking into account uh, a diverse partnership group. And, and it became challenging. And so I thought, you know, if I take off my money out of that company, what could I be doing and how could I live out my dreams and how could I be innovative to help really disrupt our industry? And that's been um, ultimately kind of my goal and my purpose in my company. And, and not just di- disrupting uh, the industry for the purpose of disrupting it, but really to listen to our customers and to really be able to hear and see change that's um, opportunistic and to really be able to take it forward in a different path, which I think sometimes when you have multiple mindsets together that are all the same, sometimes you just get into a complacent mindset and it, uh, it's hard to innovate and it's hard to uh, make change happen. 
Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think there's a, a trade-off. You know, I, I, I spoke about how I often hear entrepreneurs say, I want to be with a partner because it'll give me some comfort and some security. And and there's that, and that's a definite pro in the pros and cons list. And then I think that the con um, that goes along with that is is the the lack of agility or the the it's much more difficult for a large organization that has to take into account various opinions from diverse stakeholders, um, it's it's very difficult for them to be responsive and to be opportunistic and to be innovative because the, the bureaucratic machine that evolves around that partnership ends up really, I think, slowing down, um, you know, that, that, that progress in that innovative way. I wondered if you, talking about innovation and, <clears throat> you know, your desire to be uh, responsive and opportunistic, I wondered if you could tell our listeners a little bit about some of the innovative um, programs or the innovative thoughts or the responsiveness, especially maybe during COVID as the world resets and thinks a little bit differently about how to do business. What have you found in your business in terms of the innovation and what are some of the things that Profound Talent is doing in response to that? Mm -hmm. Well, first and foremost, I would say that when I first left my partnership, I really listened to our customers because I listened to the complaints of our customers in my last organization. And ultimately, those complaints were areas I found could be opportunities. And so when I started my company, I literally took those complaints. And one of the complaints was that our customers came into the partner and then ultimately they would be moved into their search to another more junior, let's say, consultant or what have you that they would be working with. And often they wanted that partner's knowledge and that partner's ability and they didn't feel that they were getting that same level of knowledge and service. And so one of the things that I did when I started um, Profound Talent was to really ensure that they got the same person that they would be dealing with over and over again for consistency and for that knowledge base so that they weren't being kind of flipped around to different people based on different searches that they wanted. And at the end of the day, that was more of a risk mitigation factor for our old company and not something that was truly valuable to our client organization. So so one of the things I did with Profound was to, first of all, look at that when I came in. And that's how I started to create the um, foundation of my business, was to be very customer-centric. And then what I've done is, again, just continue to listen to people. And so I thought about, you know, when I'm talking to customers and they want to, and not just customers, actually, employees as well. I've brought in employees that bring in different skill sets all the time to what I have. So I haven't traditionally just hired recruiters. And the value in that is I'm getting different perspectives from them. So one of the things that we have created is a really holistic approach to um, recruiting for our clients. And the first and foremost thing is that we not only have Profound Talent, which is our executive and professional level recruiting division, but we also have Profound Marketing, which is about branding and digital marketing and search engine optimization and really attracting in your employees and your customers. And where that came from was actually an employee who said, you know, you're an attraction company. And I said, well, help me to understand that because we're headhunters and we go out and we try to find talent. So we don't just sit back and wait to attract somebody in. 
And it seemed yep. really like an opposition of what I was trying to do. And he said, but no, you, when you go on your head hunting, you're telling the story of that customer. You're having to, even through your own words, have to attract them to your customer, whether that be you putting out a job description to the market and people apply on it, or whether you're head hunting and telling that client's story. So you're an attraction company. So we started to take this theme of being an attraction company and we worked it into something being more than just recruiting in a transaction. So it became, how do we actually help be the partner in growth for our customers so that we attract in employees, we attract in their customers, we attract in their brand, we and ultimately retract in revenue. So, so through that, um, one of the innovations that we came up with was ultimately uh, creating search profiles that go out to market that are written, but we also do video. And we actually go out and do a video production of our clients and we do a recruiting video for them so that we can show people who the customer is and we can show them uh, what they're getting into and who their hiring managers are. But in doing that, we also are showing you know, employees that are potentially also their customers and vice versa. So it's really helping to brand uh, the organization. So we're taking a more holistic approach instead of just being a recruiter. We're now looking at how do we build partnerships with companies? How do we actually do things differently to help those companies in their, you know, growth and the, their visions for their business? And then ultimately now, we, one of the other innovations that we're currently doing is, um, creating a training and development um, platform that uh, I won't get into the details behind it because some of it is a little bit confidential at this point, but it is something that uh, will turn HR departments into a revenue generating um, versus an overhead cost center. And it will also add value to uh, corporations that may not have learning and development teams in their organization because they might be smaller, medium-sized businesses. I really love how you've taken the concept of maybe what was transactional. So go find me, you know, candidate x to fill this this vacant role that we have and you've really sort of taken it into into a more storied approach so that you know not just that candidate but other candidates can hear the story and learn the story of the organization and then it, it i think you know to your point around branding and creating that cohesion with what every aspect of, of the organization is doing people can really get a better sense of is this the organization for me, right? And so, and then also what I what I really like about that is that the company then has the opportunity to say, hey, so this video was created about us. Is this actually, does this align with what we think we're doing? Like it's like another set of, you know, another test point where, or another touch point where, where they say, this isn't exactly how, you know, we thought we would be portrayed. And then they get that opportunity to, you know, adjust or, or, or continue on the path that they're on. So I think that that's really insightful and a really interesting way for companies to think about the, you know, the whole ecosystem as opposed to just go find me candidate X to fill, you know, this particular vacancy. So I think that's great. Yeah. And the other aspect to that as well is most recruitment companies are traditionally only business focused, organizational focused. Right. And the candidates that are coming in are, for lack of better words, the inventory that they put out on opportunities. What's interesting is the innovation that's also come with that that I've tapped into is that I am somebody who gets asked a million questions all the time about the job market or how to do a resume or how do I find a job or what, you know, how do I, you know, do something that I'd like to do because I'm absolutely hating what I'm doing. I've been doing it forever. I don't even know how I got into this job and I don't know how to change and go through a career transition. 
So, so with that, we've taken that and said, you know what? Our clients aren't just businesses, but they are also individuals. And funny enough, right. individuals are leaders and they do the hiring as well. Right. So they're one of the same. So we are working very actively to also work with individuals and in helping be their partner in growth. And so that they can actually learn and grow and not only just, um, you know, submit their resume on a job, but actually go back and take a step back and say, okay, is this job even something I want? Like, why am I doing this? And what is my purpose behind it? And if I was to do something different, um, what could that look like? And so we do a lot of behavioral assessments and dreaming exercises before we even get into the tools of actually finding a job. And then we help support them along the way. We help coach them on what the job market's like and how to actually present yourself and how to go to market. So we are really kind of working with two distinct groups, which is really interesting because these distinct groups happen overlap or be the same often. Executives, as much as people think, oh, you know, executives uh, have it all figured out. Well, executives don't always have it all figured out. I talk to presidents and, and senior leaders that often are wanting to make a change, don't know how to go about doing it. They feel judged. They feel like they can't make a change because they will be judged. So there's a lot of dynamics that goes on there. And those people are just individuals that are looking for that career transition, no different than somebody who is at a, you know, maybe um, a role that's not at that same level that is looking to make a change in their career as well. So it's uh, it's interesting that, uh, you know, individuals are leaders and leaders um, are individuals and one is a hiring manager potentially, but uh, individuals can turn into that as well one day. You're right. You never know when you're when you're going to be on which end of that uh, of that equation, right? And so I think I think it's important to recognize that you know at the end of the day we're all individuals and everybody wants to be treated as an individual and recognized for their own you know uniqueness as well. So I think that's that's interesting. Just going to say that's our values is very much being authentic because I think and really COVID I think has helped with that for many individuals. COVID has brought you know with us all having to do Zoom and work from home and all those kind of wonderful things with uh, you know the videos of people running in the background of the Zoom and the videos right. of dogs barking in the background and people you know wearing their pajama bottoms on the bottom and their professional clothes on the top. Um, you yep. know it brings us down to at the end of the day we're all just human beings right and we're all just looking. Yep. to, you know, to do well in life and to strive and thrive and, and be authentic. And I think, um, you know, our goal has always been to be authentic. It's one of our key values and to be real with people and to help them become that. And, and so COVID has interestingly enough been a real helpful, um, part of that process. So. Yeah, I think it's done a lot in terms of the equalization, right? And people can, you can see into into other people's homes and you can see what they're dealing with, whether it's kids or dogs or, you know, whatever. And you recognize, hey, like, they're just like me, right? I have a question for you that I often hear um, in my practice entrepreneurs, you know, they come to me and they talk about their business challenges, their business successes. And one of the, the common uh, themes that I hear is around fear and whether that's the fear of failure or the fear of the unknown or, you know, the fear that uh, they're going to have a corporate divorce or, you know, any, any number of fears. <clears throat> I, th- I think that that's certainly something that's that's common when people are thinking about um, whether they, they're prepared to start their business. Was that an element for you? And if so, what role did fear play in your journey? Oh, fear was huge. <laughs> so um, <laughs> fear, oh, yes. <laughs> and I think, you know, and it, what's interesting is I coach people on this all the time now, too, in our coaching practice, that 
fear is really the fear of the unknown. And we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know where we're going to go. And it's easier to mitigate risk on, you know, failure than it is to, um, you know, be, you know, um, look at the successes we have. So, you know, I remember somebody saying to me once, well, why do you keep looking at, you know, when I was trying to plan out and, you know, trying to make this leap, I kept looking at all the things that could go wrong versus looking at all the things that could go right. And I said, well, if everything yep. goes right, that's easy. But if things go wrong, that is not going to be so great. I'm a single mom of two two girls and I don't have child support or anything of that. So I am it. And, and that is incredibly fearful. So so basically what I kind of, I had to really tap into one, a belief in myself and a confidence in myself. I had to really tap into the fact that I was smart and that no matter what, I would succeed in life and that I would find a way to make it work. And I basically had a mantra that was failure is not an option. And I mean, mm. I get that we all have small failures. I did not want to allow a large failure because large failure meant that, you know, what are you going to do? How are you going to feed your kids? That kind of thing. And so what that meant to me is every time that I started to have a slight bit of fear, once I left and started on my own and I thought, gosh, why is nobody bringing their work to me and how am I going to survive and all of this, instead of sitting there in my mind, thinking about that, I put that aside and my mantra was failure is not an option. And all I did was pick up the phone one more time, pick up the phone one more time, make one more call. And I just used it as fuel to keep me going versus letting it stop me. So that's kind of how I managed to fear. And a lot of the fear as well was just the the whole departure. And part of it became, quite honestly, um, a spiritual belief that uh, I never had previously. And I started to just really um, trust and believe in a higher power that I'm in the place that I'm supposed to be, that things are meant to happen for a reason and that I will figure it out. And I, you know, have always believed that. And even since I've left and have started my own company, things are not easy, especially with COVID. Right. Um, yep. And every time that I start to have those fears, I just keep going back to my, my words, believe, trust, failure is not an option. And that's how I, that's what I hold on to. Yeah, that's interesting. I think there's two, you know, there's two maybe camps of fear, right? And what you've talked about is how you can use fear to really motivate you and and sort of push through and learn the lessons, you know, from the little mini failures along the way, or how should I pivot because that didn't work exactly as I thought, but I'm still on this path and I'm still committed to you know, to, to, to seeing it through. And I think that's really productive and, and, and positive. And where I think some people maybe fall into the trap of fear as an, as a feeling of, of being completely overwhelmed. And then that, you know, that feeling of being completely overwhelmed leads to paralysis, right? And so I think that fear as a motivator, as the fuel, as you called it, is very productive. Whereas if if it's left unchecked or you don't know what your next step is, or you don't have any mentors or anybody that you can turn to when things are looking pretty dark, um, that fear can really spiral into, into uh, being completely overwhelming for some people. Well, and it's interesting that you should say that because it's very timely. I just wrote a blog this morning on baby steps. And one of the things that I have learned is that I go back to the mantra again of baby steps. So every time that I look at something as this big, overwhelming monster that I have to achieve, um, that feels impossible to get, I go back to the present moment and I live in the moment versus 
those feelings are often because I'm looking at something that's way into the future. Like I have to build so much to survive as opposed to what can I do right this second in this moment that's going to achieve and work together in those small baby steps and eventually I'll get there. And so when I do get those moments of overwhelm, which I do still at this point, I pull myself back to the present moment. And and I think that is how you can be productive when you get into those fear moments that that you're mentioning about that paralyze you. Yeah, yeah, interesting. So I, I wonder if you if you went back to your, you know, your younger self 20 years ago, when you were, uh, you know, thinking about what your journey might look like, and you, you know, you you're now the owner founder of profound talent, would you do it all over again? Absolutely. <laughs> I absolutely oh, would. I'd probably do it a little sooner. You know, interestingly enough, it takes time to learn, get the confidence. Um, you know, I think I needed to go on a journey of uh, my background was sales to start outside sales with TELUS and Pfizer Pharmaceuticals. And then it was into recruiting and I had to learn the recruiting bit and, and understand and get, you know, connected in the market. And then it was, you know, leadership and and, and ownership within a partnership uh, business and having to, you know, acquire companies. And we, um, divested companies. And and so I gained a lot of knowledge. I had a mentor along the way that, you know, was amazing to me and a coach um, that I attribute a lot of my learnings to. And I think it's important to, you know, have those mentors in your life and pull to different individuals that can help get you there. And, you know, I don't know if I would have been ready for um, my own company, even though I would have loved to have done it sooner. I don't know if I would have been ready for it. And I think everything happens for a reason and uh, I'm ready for it now. And, and it's been fun. It's been exciting. There's never a dull moment. <laughs> There's moments where I, There's always a I lot of work. <laughs> Yeah, and there's moments when people say, oh, you're so lucky. You can probably just take time off whenever you want. And I'm like, not really. I work probably 24-7. <laughs> I don't right, remember right. my last vacation. But yeah, it's been fun. I would do it all over again. Well, that's good. Because if you ask that question to lots of entrepreneurs, I would say that um, it's probably a 50-50 response for the people who would do it all over again. So I'm, I'm glad you're in the, in the yes category. Um, I know that you're on LinkedIn. Beyond that, where can our listeners find out more about you and about Profound Talent? Well, they can go to profoundtalent.com. They can also go to profoundcoach.com. We will be launching profoundmarketer.com and profoundtraining.com in the near future. So all of those are platforms, but I would say you can all link uh, to one or the other throughout uh, our websites. So definitely start with profoundtalent.com and that's probably your best bet. And uh, if they want to get a hold of me, they're always welcome to reach out at uh, my email, tdavis at profoundtalent.com. You can find us on pretty much every social media platform that's out there under the Profound Talent name. So uh, we're pretty out there. We do a lot of social media and a lot of, uh, we have a lot of visibility in markets. So I think uh, your, your listeners should be able to find us. Well, perfect. Well, thanks so much for taking time to chat with me today. You're welcome. Thank you. It was fun chatting with you and uh, I love what you're doing. I love uh, women entrepreneurship. I think it's uh, it's fun. It's great. And it's a bit unique as well because uh, I think we have different challenges sometimes than maybe uh, some of our male counterparts. So uh, it's fun to have uh, a group of women to lean on and uh, I'm glad you're profiling it. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. 
Thank you for joining the podcast today. If you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe or follow to get notified when we have an update.